0: Welcome to the Losing Weight with Fasting and Mindful Eating podcast. I am your host, Monika Banak, an advanced practice nurse and a weight loss coach. I am so grateful for you taking the time to listen to today's episode. As always, everything we discuss here is our own experience. None of it is medical advice. My guest today is Emily Harvo. She is sharing an inspiring story of her own weight loss of 150 pounds. Incredible. Her before and after photos are just astounding. She shares her journey of losing 150 pounds and most importantly, maintaining the weight loss of 150 pounds. We dive deep into her current diet, her fasting routine, and other ways that she's using to maintain this weight loss. Welcome, Emily Harville. So excited to have you here. Looking forward to our talk. And first question that I ask a lot of my podcast interviewees is, how did you get introduced into fasting, the whole fasting lifestyle?
1: Well, I started with an injury, actually. I had history of morbid obesity, depression, a lot of trouble throughout my life. And so my weight had gone with that journey as well. And so as I had been through different pregnancies, I had gained weight I was actually overweight as a child and as a teenager. And so really, I don't think I remember a time that I wasn't struggling with food addiction, carb addiction, weight issues. And so what had happened is I had tried many, many ways to go about this and to turn it around. And I was in an exercise phase. I was up at 300 pounds, which I have been at that weight many times throughout my journey. I was 46 years old and was over exercising. And so I actually had a meniscus tear, and it landed me on the couch, and I was not able to do hardly even walking was really difficult. And Mm. I Homeschool. I have four kids at home. And so it was just a super challenging time. And I had decided at that point that I was going to move forward with a sleeve surgery just to try to do something to get my weight under control. And a friend of mine reached out and she had heard Dr. Fung's book, The Obesity Code, had read it, and she just said, Hey, let's just try this one more time. Just try this one thing. Cause my friends that I was really close with knew that I had gotten the consult for the sleeve surgery. I was going to move forward and get that, you know, gastric surgery. And they said, just give this one more. I really think this is the answer. And actually it was the answer. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) so because I'd done so many things i done weight, Amazing. weight watchers, Atkins. I did programs at church. I'd done, you know, so many different things. And so it was through a friend, through somebody that personally I knew and that I trusted that reached out to me and that said, listen, let's do this and I'll do this with you. And so I had accountability right from the start and I had a resource and I actually had the correct resource because I had no idea that fat loss and fat gain and all of this composition had to do with your hormones. I did not know that. I thought that it was calories in, calories out, that it was an energy thing, that it was move more, eat less. And what I learned in Dr. Fung's book is that it is hormone controlled and it's an insulin issue. It is not an Mm -hmm. issue of, you know, it's a lot more than just energy. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And insulin, I
0: mean, that's a hormone. Yes. And you know, women and men are different. We cannot fast the way men fast. And sometimes that's very hard to digest for a lot of people. But you're 100% right. So I have your pictures and I'll post them on YouTube before and after are absolutely astounding. Like, I, I'm like, who is this person? Like you do not even look like the same person, like absolutely mind
1: blowing. So yes. tell us how much have you lost? And how long <laughs> has it taken? Absolutely. So Monica, I consider myself to be in maintenance, I consider myself to be learning maintenance, because there's so many different avenues to getting healthier, and I'm not done getting healthier. So but my weight loss chapter was a really long chapter. I'm in fine tuning right now, but my start weight was 300 and I got down to 150 pounds, actually a little bit lower. I have a range. I have a range of, you know, I don't pay attention to the scale as much. So I have kind of a size range. So my starting size was 20, twice sunny, 26, size three X's. I'm now anywhere from an eight eight ish, you know, so huge change in size, huge change in weight, 150 pounds. So half of my starting weight, and it took wow. me four years to solid. And so it was a very gradual journey. It started with fasting plus keto. And then later on, I made some changes in my nutrition. So that kind of evolved over time. So, you know, mm-hmm. recently I'm doing something else with the food, but, and actually it first started out with just fasting because there was a concept out there that OMAD or all these different ways that you can go about that. You can eat whatever you want in your window. Okay. So I liked the sound oh, yeah. of that. <laughs> so the concept was that you chose this TRE, this time-restricted eating window. And then if you wanted milkshake and fries, mm-hmm. then go ahead. You have milkshake and fries. And so mm-hmm. I really played with that to start with, but eventually that just was not true for me. I, that potentially could be true for other people. It is absolutely not true for me because it never helped me with the food addiction piece because I was okay. still, you know, as long as I've got sugar, carbs, processed foods, then my food addiction is strong. So the fasting time is great. You get a break from all that, but you still have to manage what to do when that window's open, when you're actually are going to choose your foods.
0: You mentioned that you have changed some diet stuff after going through the experimental phase of going back to the Trigger foods. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What type of diet changes?
1: (laughs) Sure, sure. So, my journey went from just fasting alone to I was very stubborn about adopting like a low carb or ketogenic because I don't, something inside me just fought against that. And I didn't, that felt like too much restriction. (laughs) But as I got into that, my body liked it and was very happy. And so, Year one was me transitioning from out of processed food with fasting to ketogenic low carb with fasting that stayed the same until a little bit later. I started to go more meat based or animal based. That was more in the year 2020. I started just adding in more and more animal proteins. And so I was kind of crowding out, which is a really good approach when people are, when you're trying to thinking of any new nutritional approach. A great way to go about it is to crowd out with the food that you want. Focus on the good food that you want. If you're protein forward and Mm -hmm. you're trying for a certain amount of protein, whether that's animal protein, plant protein, whatever you're focused on, bring that part in to crowd out the other parts of nutrition that you want to kind of bump out of there. Um, so I did advice. a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. So definitely in the year 2020, I did a lot of protein forward, animal based. I didn't call myself carnivore at that point. I w- wasn't carnivore. I was very much meat and vegetables. And so that was getting me closer to my goals. I still enjoyed keto treats. I still enjoyed artificial sweeteners. I still enjoyed fat bombs. I was still making, I was still using nuts. I was horribly addicted to nut butters, almond butters. So I was making, I had lost quite a bit of weight at that point. I was around 180, 190s, you know, so I had lost my first hundred ish pounds and was kind of bouncing around, around that 190. But I think that having those foods in all of the Coconut oils, avocado oils, and the fat bombs—specifically the ones that had sweeteners—were really stumbling, causing me to stumble. So I had in that holiday season, the 2020 holiday season, I actually kind of lost control and got into binging and got into sugar-free binging. So I would buy sugar-free <laughs> candies and I would have all these candies, and so I just had had enough of the addictive foods because those are also processed foods, right? Mm-hmm. And so So that was my enough point. I had a friend that had been doing intermittent fasting plus carnivore that had shared her journey, Tiffany Henshell intimately on a Facebook group. And so I've been reading, reading, reading about carnivore. So this was just absorbing, just absorbing information. And I was so fascinated because the anecdotal stories that I was hearing were mental health people improving their mental health tremendously. I noticed a lot of people were improving disease states, such as skin issues or autoimmune issues, which I didn't have those as much, but I also noticed them talking about no cravings, food freedom. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want that. (laughs) And I knew that that was like from my fast, because that's sometimes you get into a fast and you feel like that but then mm-hmm. as soon as the food was back, yep. then I would lose control with the food. And sometimes mm-hmm. if I overfasted, trigger that ghrelin a little bit too much would we'll lose control when it was time to eat. So I started carnivore trying a one month. That's what Dr. Sean Baker has recommended is a 30-day challenge. So for January of 2021, I decided I'll try carnivore one month yeah. and I felt so good in my 30-day carnivore journey that I'm like, this isn't for one month. This is going to be three months, four months, six months. I am over two years wow. 100% carnivore. <laughs> so this was obviously a good fit for me.
0: So Emily, I thought, yes. Yes. for those who are not familiar with the carnivore diet is, can you just give us like a little like
1: description of like what is carnivore diet? What can you eat on it? Absolutely. Okay. So, carnivore diet is anything animal foods. And so, any kind of meats. So, people are very focused usually on ruminant meats, on beef, bison, lamb elk, because those are the most bioavailable nutrient dense of all of the animal foods, Mm -hmm. but it's really good to include a variety. So any kind of fish poultry, you know, you want to look at, take a look at how the animal was raised and what environment they're in and the health. And if they were given antibiotics. And so that's kind of Mm -hmm. something that you need to look at as well, but yeah. So eggs are wonderful. Eggs are so nutrient dense dairy. A small amount of dairy is fine for some people, not all. I have a small amount of dairy in my diet. It can't, you don't want that to be the foundation of your animal-based diet. And you definitely want to look at raw, but yeah, these are just meats and the fats that come with the meat butter is an animal food butter is a wonderful high fat high butyrate nutrient dense food so good for your hormones so yeah you can just look at all those and on dairy you'll want to kind of keep on the lower carb the higher carb dairy can be problematic for some people but that part's individual but yeah we're just talking meat a lot of people go a meat only diet so yeah. okay okay so can you have any fruits no vegetables obviously right just can you have yeah. fruit as well some people well, Yeah. I mean, you can choose your own fruit is definitely not carnivore. So it depends. Do you want to be mostly animal-based? Do you want to be, you know, there's a wide spectrum. And so Mm -hmm. carnivore is one of many diets that are a species appropriate spectrum. So you can be a hundred percent carnivore like me. If you want, you can choose your own adventure. You can go meats and fruits. Some people include honey. I do not include honey. Some people include small amounts of vegetables that they find don't bother them. It actually depends on why you're on the carnivore diet. Carnivore diet is an excellent elimination diet. So if you're looking for a baseline health and you don't know what your body is reacting to, it's probably not ruminant meat. So it can be a really good baseline, and then you can add things back and find out how your body is tolerating, how your emotional world is tolerating for dairy. Maybe the body tolerates it, but maybe the addictive brain because of the case morphine doesn't handle dairy very well. And so it really depends on your why, but there are so many different versions of carnivore that people can choose. So. I'm sure you get these questions
0: from some skeptics. I've been doing some research on carnivore just because it's very interesting to me. People that say, well, how can you say vegetables are bad? Like, what do you say to people that ask you that question? Because I'm sure it's a common one. You know, you have the vegans, the vegetarians to like the extreme like carnivore where there's no vegetables. And what do you say to people that ask you that question?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what I will say is if someone is being... So thorough, persistent, well thought out, and determined to forge their own health for them. I celebrate that. And so if someone is saying, I'm moving forward with a plant based diet or a vegan diet, whole foods, plant based or vegan. I wouldn't really say anything bad about that. I would just say you might wanna look at your amino acid profile because it's very likely that you're going to need to supplement to get the essential amino acids. So nutritionally, this comes down to what is essential. We have essential amino acids. We have essential fatty acids. There is no such thing as an essential carbohydrate. And so our bodies through gluconeogenesis, our livers create the amount of glucose that we need. So you don't have to get exogenous or external carbs from the diet. So I don't vegetables. You're going to have to look at the individual cases and the individual person because it is individual tolerance. Mm -hmm. So we know that they have their own defense mechanism. Vegetables have anti-nutrients. They have things to protect themselves. So you'll hear about this in a lot of the health space as an adaptogen and as a positive stressor. Okay. So we hear about things as you stressors, a good stressors, you know, exercise, fasting sauna, these are going to be good stressors in the right amounts. Okay. And so plants have stressors built into them mm-hmm. and they're irritants to the body. So now whether the question is, if you want to take a circumin or a two, numeric or a you know something is a very potent effect adaptogenic effect in your body then you're gonna have to watch and see how the body responds to that and if it's indeed what what it's intended to do. So that's what we're going to take a look at is the plants have you know little crystals in them that come out in oxalates that deposit in the bodies in different spots. So there's nightshades as well we hear a lot I'm sure the whole word of nightshades
0: there's certain amount of plants there are cold nightshades that are very, yeah. very hard to
1: digest and cause a lot of issues for some people, not everyone. Yes. That's exactly where I'm at. I'm exactly where you're at with this. And so people coming to carnivore, typically they are curious and they want to try it out and they want to know if it's safe to go without the vegetables, Mm -hmm. right? And so I will say, yes, they are not necessary. You don't need them. And for some people, they cause a lot of harm. For some people, they cause inflammation. They irritate the inflammation, the inflammatory process more. And for some people, they cause autoimmune issues. And so it's just a thing that you have to look at about the overall, but there are vegetables in particular are problematic for very specific reasons. You also kind of look at their pesticides and the way that they've been genetically altered. And, you know, we can see that about any food. And It's the same thing with the fruits. The problem with the fruits is they're not the fruits that we ate long time ago. They have been genetically altered to be these high sugar, massive sweet. The fruits have been designed to tie into our sweet addiction as a culture so there's a lot of disadvantages and there's a lot of reasons why some people really don't thrive eating fruits and vegetables for my life. I've found I don't need them at all. I thrive beautifully without them. Yeah. So
0: as far as like research on long-term effects of eating carnivore, can you stay on carnivore for the rest of your life or is there any research discussing any you know, again, I'm just asking, there's not judgment. I've been researching it. No, absolutely. uh, I just want for the audience to be more familiar with if they want to go that route and try it. What is the long-term research on like health, like kidney health? You know, some people might be concerned about kidneys, you know, be eating that much protein are my kidneys at risk or other things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is tricky to figure out, you know, where we're at right now because it's an outlier in our nutrition space. Okay. So kind of what we need to understand is our whole nutrition story, the narrative, everything that we've learned about nutrition up until this point, let's take a look at whether how well it's working. Let's take a look at where are we with lifestyle diseases? Where are we with inflammatory diseases? And when you look at the model of what our basic nutrition is based on, and this kind of ties back into when Eisenhower had his heart attack and we had certain prominent researchers that were able to get into the curriculum of our nation, which became the curriculum of our medical schools, which became the curriculum of our culture at large. And these were all based on grain-based carbohydrate, low fat diets. And we kind of have to take a look at that and say, is that really true? So From a research perspective, carnivores coming from an anthropological perspective. And so what you're going to want to look at is how long have human beings existed and how long have they been eating this manufactured processed food, sugar based processed sugar based diet versus how long have we been perpetuating species after generation after generation. So it kind of goes back to an ancestral way of eating is what we're going mm-hmm. back to. Ancestrally, when we look at the bones and everything that's happening, that is, you know, very much pointing towards meat. And when we look at the cave, the cavemen's drawings, do we see, you know, tons of vegetables and fruits in those drawings, we see meat. We see, you know, they're, they're, they're
0: a hunter-kill society. I wonder, I wonder if they had asparagus back then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, I know. No,
1: no, no. So our research is definitely in the ketogenic low-carb space. Anything that sort of applies to that spectrum, which we're saying is a wide spectrum of the things that can really help people, is that, you know, that... Historically, anthropologically, that this state of being in ketosis and coming in and out of a nutritional ketosis was kind of how the species grew and how we kept going. But it is in anecdotes. And so, Monica, there is like we have studies. We have a study from Harvard that is published that. But you have to look at the types of studies that they are the environments that they were so it is there but i think that that's kind of we're, we're looking at well we have a larger historical data of our species and then we also have to not only do we have to look at this and say how are people doing with this which is beautiful and is happening as we speak right now we also have to take a look at how is what we have been doing working and how are things developing as a society and what is happening. And then we do kind of have to look at the anecdotal studies of the disease reversal that we're seeing. And so we are in our little echo chamber. We know the stories. We know people are coming out of lifelong pain and inflammatory conditions. And if you look at you know what kind of a diet or what kind of life practices can reduce inflammation, you have to look at that this is a powerhouse tool lowering inflammation. And so that's why it works so beautifully with fasting because there's really Mm. nothing you can do besides fasting that will lower inflammation to that state, right? When done correctly in the right amounts. And so carnivore is very similar along those lines. Anything you could look at a benefit you could get from a ketogenic or a low carb. Well, we're taking it all the way to zero carb. We're just taking the carbs out altogether.
0: For someone that is interested in looking into a carnivore diet or starting carnivore, diet what's a do you have any resources they can start with to reach out to or I know you do some coaching as well but any type of resources that they should start with like if they want to do like a 30-day elimination diet and try the carnivore where can I start
1: I mean this is my favorite question (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell you I work with okay and I am in a space of beautiful personalities I could list off 20 different folks to follow read their book dig in so I work with Isabella Ma she's known as the steak and butter gal And so I would check out her YouTube was what I would check out as a resource. So she interviews carnivore doctors, carnivore experts, keto experts. That's a great landing spot. As far as an overall general book, there's two that come to mind right away. One is The Carnivore Diet by Dr. Sean Baker. And second would be The Carnivore Cure by Judy Cho. So hopefully we can link those in the show notes, Um, but honestly, if people are interested, they can direct message me on Instagram healed by meat. I'll be happy to send them in the right direction. I do want to let you know, Monica, we have a carnivore support group, a community group, and we teach all things carnivore eight hours every week on zoom classes. And so this is called the Steak and Butter Gang. It's at sbgmeetup.com. And so we'll put that in the show notes as well. And so these, we have anywhere from 1000 plus members that join that are curious about carnivore. And so we have a team of coaches. We have five coaches. We have Bella and we have doctors every single month. This month we have Dr. Ken Berry, which is an excellent resource. I love him. He lives in Nashville actually. Yeah. Oh, yes, Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's he's wonderful. Yeah. So he's going to be our guest speaker. His channel, his YouTube channel has wonderful carnivore information. Yeah. And then, but that's just kind of how we roll. We have mental health Mm -hmm. providers. We have fertility specialists. We have cardiac surgeons. We have, so we fill our guest speaker slots with MDs so that we have a neurosurgeon that speaks with us at least once a month. So actually, as far as a resource for learning about carnivore, send them our way because we've got it going on there. I teach fasting two hours a week. And so my colleague Mm. and I, we have an excellent fasting curriculum, really great program. And in fact, we had Mindy Powell's as our guest speaker last month. We're having Cynthia Furlow is going to be our guest speaker coming up. So if people are interested in fasting, even if you're not carnivore, even if you're on the, you know, whatever, honestly, we have a wonderful fasting program in the challenge as well that we're teaching.
0: My last question before we go, what are three things you wish you knew sooner, whether it's diet or anything, life, relationships, what are three things that you
1: wish you had known sooner? Mm, I wish that I knew that nutrition is self-care. So I thought that taking care of myself was the opposite. Like I thought like Baskin Robbins peanut butter Sunday, whatever was me having my mommy moment. Mm. I thought that me getting that hit, you know, from foods that were actually quite damaging was my relaxation. And so I think me figuring out that my actual relaxation is all the steps that I take, because this takes preparation to be in charge of your life and to make this decision because these decisions are based on so many decisions that you make during the days. And so the decisions that I make now to purchase the food that nourishes my body, to prep the food that nourishes my body, to have the food that nourishes my body, that's my self-care. And so I wish I would have (laughs) understood that in a different way Mm. that when I'm feeling those, uh, because we try to be so good and we try to do so much to please everybody around us and to be a good girl and do the right things and but it's just i don't know i think doing those things was a form of boundaries. The other thing i wish i knew earlier was that how important boundaries are. And so when it comes to nutrition, exercise, setting up your schedule that these boundaries are crucial to your survival, to you feeling well and to you being the best partner, parent, friend, daughter that you can be when you set up your personal boundaries and you have, this is my yes, and this is my no, and this is how I operate. Then it really strengthens everything else in your life. And the third thing I would say is that it actually really ties into this as well, is that nobody can make you feel a certain way that you allow them to make you feel this way or that way. And so if somebody has a judgment about your way of eating or how you, or your job or whatever the heck they have a judgment about, mm-hmm. you have to stop and boundary that before it comes in and becomes internalized into you and that you are the person that determines what success is And you're the person that is responsible. You have to take responsibility for your own choices. You have to own your choices. And so using excuses and blame and saying, well, this person won't like it, or I'm going to feel weird, or I'm going to look weird, or that's coming from a disempowered spot. You're giving all the power to the people around you. And so I wish I had known sooner to be me, be truly Mm -hmm. me, And come to it to me as me. And if other people are judging or think something, it's like, this is me.
0: (laughs) Oh, these are so good, Emily. I love these. I mean, this last one nobody can make you feel a certain way without your permission. That is huge, huge. I love these. These are great. I'm Mm -hmm. sure a lot of people can relate to that.
1: Wow. Great question. What a great closer. Thank
0: you. No, thank you. I am. So thankful for you spending your time to chat with me. I'm sure I'm going to have tons of more questions, and so will my listeners. And I will link all the info, all your info below. And again, thank you so much
1: for your time. Beautiful. This has been a wonderful opportunity. Thank you for your work. Thank you for teaching women about fasting, and you know, just getting that message out there. Your health matters. The steps that you take for your health affect everything else in the life in your life. So just it's beautiful, beautiful things.